0: Food We're in Japan. Why are you watching videos?
1: Just using my phone to find our next meal.
0: What's that?
1: Let's find out. With my Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra, I can circle it with the S Pen and search right in the app. It looks like it's called takoyaki. Tell- Actually, it's fried octopus.
0: <laughs> I knew that.
1: Circle it, find it with the new Galaxy S24 Ultra and circle the search with Google. Get yours now at Samsung.com. Internet connection required. Results may vary based on visuals.
0: Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa playsets. sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. travel down the road and back again your heart is true you're a pal and a confidant picture it los angeles 2023 welcome to out on the lanai the
1: only golden girls podcast you're ever gonna need to listen to i am sadie pine slash h allen scott
0: And I'm Carrie Doherty.
1: And we are your go-to for everything Golden Girls. We've been doing this for 10 years, people, and we do it all.
0: That's right. We watch episodes of the Golden Girls and talk about it. We've watched the Golden Palace. We interview writers and cast members. We cover Golden Girls news and we're slowly but surely breaking down the entire careers of our four Golden Ladies. And
1: today we're doing another Golden Rewind where we go back and we rewatch our favorite episodes of the Golden Girls and offer new insights since we first started breaking down these episodes way back in 2014.
0: And I think this is a proper 2014 because we yeah. just watched season one, episode eight, The Break-In, a.k.a. the one with that wild scene of Rose in the parking garage.
1: Okay. Speaking of that scene, I th- uh, up top, up top. I mean, it is one of my, it is something that I've talked about in this podcast that I do every time I'm in a parking garage. I can't, I can't not walk through a parking garage and then turn around dramatically and go, oh, God, I can't, I can't not do it, and then go, oh, um, so I think, I'm going to propose this up top because I want people to hold me accountable. I want, for this podcast, for the social media platforms in which we exist on, I want us to create a video where I'm dressed as Rose, because duh, because of the hat, and you're dressed as the parking attendant, and we recreate this moment where we don't actually use, we use the dialogue from the show, but we it's sort of like, Whoever directed that new version of Psycho, Todd Haynes, I think it was. I forget who it was. But Gus Van Sant. Gus Van Sant directed that new version of Psycho where it's shot by shot, like exactly like the original Mm. Psycho. Or it's
0: like how in college when people do Rocky Horror Picture Show, they just lip sync to the whole movie. I think
1: we should do shot by shot recreation of this parking garage scene.
0: Would you want like an actual man to do, to be the man no. approaching? No. I, I feel like I'm not. No,
1: it's so funny to have you as the man.
0: Okay. I mean Because come... you don't actually, you wouldn't see my face. That's okay.
1: I mean, that's, I mean, we could, we could make it. So, I mean, but still, I think, I think the height difference is fine. I mean, there's so many different things about it that is funny to me that I think we should definitely, definitely shoot this video.
0: Um, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I I feel like the first time we watched this, again, it was almost ten years ago. Oh God! Um, we definitely the the parking garage scene was the talk of the town of with us was. and our guests. Of course it was. Um, I think it was. It was. I believe for this episode, it was Drew Brooks and George Basil. Okay. I believe were our guests, um, and they were super fun um, to talk to. Again, our audio from our original season (laughs) one is absolute shit. That's why we're re-recording, trying to especially go back and do old seasons (laughs) from like old episodes from seasons like one and two. Um, This episode, though, gives us a few iconic moments from the opening Mm -hmm. credits, right? Where we've got the women huddled together as they sort of shuffle their way into the living room to survey the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, The moment of Dorothy biting her fist. Although... They used a different take for the opening credits than they did uh than they used for the episode because in the opening credits, Dorothy bites her entire fist very hard. Yeah. In the actual episode, it's a lot slower and she kind of bites like her knuckle and then yeah. her fist. Yeah. Um there's a lot of time for that
1: bite. There's a lot of time.
0: There was a lot of time for that bite, but I, I loved it. I thought it was perfect. Yeah. And I love that Dorothy, I love that B. Arthur gave them options. Oh yeah. Um Another, uh, we're gonna talk it about it later because I we've got a lot to talk about. But the iconic Blanche pulling her arm through her red sleeve moment—that is a deleted scene from this episode—is mm-hmm. also in the opening credits. So there, I this mean, episode the has, break-in gives us the opening credits, basically. It, truly,
1: yes. That and the um, the, the what's the one where Blanche says she's jumpier than a schoolgirl at a prison rodeo? I forget the episode. It was something with Rose. There was some drama, or someone woke up in the middle of the night and she had to walk down the hallway. Regardless, that episode also gives a lot of opening credit moments as well.
0: Yes, Yes. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's whatever the first handful of them that they shot because, you know, then the show started airing.
1: This episode, like, I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about as I watched this episode is the first and the second season filled the formula of, I think sometimes that Norman Lear maybe – maybe James L. Brooks aesthetic where it would have high comedy, but then there would be moments of sort of drama or like seriousness. You know what I mean? Like there would be little nuggets of serious. And I I do like that the show began to sort of steer away from that in the third, fourth, all the way to the end, where it became more of a traditional situation comedy. You know what I mean? Where it like it was mainly, even though there were serious episodes, it really was rooted in Funny moment, funny moment, funny moment. Whereas in the first season, this episode has that, I think, a lot of that, where there are moments where it's just sort of like Rose is going through it. And there are yeah. like there are emotions in this episode. And also the level of like intense acting in this episode by everyone. I mean, high camp acting by Rue, serious acting by, by Betty White, and then sort of camp meets serious theatrical acting from B Arthur it's very over the top but at the same time it's rooted in like a situation comedy her acting was very weird to me in this episode but i thought it was great
0: um i it's interesting that you say that i in terms of performances i thought that sophia I thought Sophia was hilarious in this episode. She was so funny. She was very one note yes, in terms of muting. her attitude and her jokes. Yep. She never sort of wavered from her way of thinking about the situation uh-huh. and about Rose. She never gave advice. She was just kind of there to be like, I'm 80. I'm old. Yeah. I've lived a long life. And like, why are you all and scared? That's sort a, of that's a, just making fun of everyone.
1: That's a great example to sort of show, to illustrate my point in that, like, There were moments, there were so many moments with Sophia in particular, but also other characters where if this was an episode that aired in season four or five, they would have that quick witty comeback. There would be a quick witty comeback for something. There was a moment at the beginning of the episode where like Dorothy's talking about her husband, Madonna did things that she never even thought about doing with her husband or something. And that would be a moment where Blanche would have a funny sex comeback and it didn't exist Mm -hmm. in this episode because it was that sort of, older format of situation comedies you
0: know and I think too maybe just sort of they're still figuring the characters yeah. out um, one thing I mean Susan Harris wrote this episode and I feel like this episode has Susan Harris written all over it because like you said there is the sort of the situation it's like from minute one the, the women walk in and their yep. house has been broken into and it's just all about them dealing with the aftermath mm-hmm. and I feel like In this first season, when it sounds like Susan Harris was writing more episodes, when she was more involved in the show, they really were tackling these important issues. I think that women, specifically women who live together, dealt with because, Mm -hmm. you know, these were women who before they were divorced or widowed, they had the sort of added protection of a man in the house, you know, not that a woman can't protect herself, but you know, how often in TV or film do you see like a couple asleep in bed? They hear a noise. It's the husband who always gets up, grabs the baseball bat, goes downstairs to investigate. And, you know, and Rose talks about this in the episode. And so I do think that this was a really interesting issue about when you're divorced, when your husband has died, Mm -hmm. when you have to deal with those, those feelings and those situations. And so I do think that this was something that, Again, Susan Harris was like, women of this age are dealing with this. Like, we really need mm-hmm. to talk about it. And, it wasn't um, and so I really respected age. it.
1: It was, I mean, you also think about in the 80s, too. I mean, the divorce rates were higher. Like, women were on their, there were single moms more in this, in this era. Like, there was more of single womanhood in this era than there probably ever had been in our country's history. And so for a woman to feel unsafe and in uncharted territories was a pretty common probably thing, growing thing in the 1980s. So, I mean, even not just with elderly women but or with widowed women or whatever, it was with, like, divorced women and young moms and all these things.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And, you know, we do know that um, when – I don't know about when the time Golden Girls was on, but I know at least I believe at the time when Susan Harris was writing on Maude, I believe she was a single mother, Mm. um, I believe – I'm not 100% sure on that, but Mm. something in my brain just told me she was a single mother. Um, But I apologize if I'm speaking incorrectly. Um, To the husband and
1: only the husband.
0: (laughs) Do you? I I have a story. I have a story. Please, Um, go on. I I don't know if I've told this on the podcast before. So if I have, perhaps stop me. Have I ever told you about the time Stan and I were in bed? And This was before Little Oreo was born. Stan and I were in bed. His brother was spending the night.
1: Can I just say right and, off the bat, I love his brother. Such a sweetheart.
0: Oh, he's very, very sweet. Yes, yes. we love him. And he's Little Oreo's favorite person in the yes. whole world. Yeah. Um, I'll all allow this, that.
1: I'll allow that.
0: You'll, yes, I know. <laughs> Uh, but you're, you're her favorite aunt. Yes, yes, um, yes. so in the middle of the night, Stan, all of a sudden just shoots up out of bed. Yeah. Like I heard something, I heard something downstairs, something broke, somebody's trying to break in mm. and was so convinced that we called nine one one. Like he was like, he was like, I heard, I heard something. Somebody's downstairs. He called nine one one. Cause you had, um, you, I mean,
1: your part, I mean, just to get descriptions of your house, you have like, was your bedroom on the second or third floor? Cause you had three floors, right?
0: We're on this. St- I mean, we have two floors in a lot. Well, yes. Yeah, it's a loft. it's yeah. like okay. te- I mean, yes, technically, yeah. I'm like, we're not that fancy, but we do have two floors. Yes. Um, So. So, yes, we were on the top floor downstairs. Stan heard something was convinced someone broke a window. And I will say now we have security systems. Good. We did not then. Yeah. um, But Stan called nine one one. And I had the dog. And I mean, our adrenaline is like rushing because yeah. we, we had heard this noise. His brother's in the other room. He's calling his brother with the other phone while mm. I'm on the phone with 911. And the woman's telling us, don't don't leave the room. Don't go downstairs. Tell me if you hear anything. And we're freaking out. And the police arrive and they the woman said, the police are at your door. You're going to have to go let them in. <sighs> and we were like, oh, my God, But what if we pass somebody on our way to the door? Oh my God. And so she said, how many of you are there going downstairs? Describe yourselves. I said, you know, I said, I'm a, a blonde woman holding a dog and then two short guys. <laughs> um, so we we go outside. And I mean, there's like five cops, rifles, guns drawn. <gasps> oh. They They go, they go. They're going like we open the door. They're like, go, 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 go. Like, get out. We go outside we're standing it's freezing outside I'm holding our dog who's a little maniac and he's barking yeah. and he doesn't have a leash on or anything and I'm just holding him and none of us have shoes on oh. and we see lights like flashlights going through our entire place there are cops that are like doing a walking the perimeter on the outside mm-hmm. um a plate had fallen into oh, the sink Oh
1: my god Oh I love that They found that. nothing a plate
0: I... had fallen into the sink I mean, but that, and this was That's scary though It was incredibly scary. This was also like early days of COVID and Mm. all of a sudden we have six unmasked. I think maybe one officer had a mask on in our house. I also understand I'm checking my privilege in that I was a white woman who answered a door and that could have gone completely different for anybody else. And I'm totally aware of that. And I'm aware of my privilege Mm. and feeling safe enough to call the police. Yeah. Um, But it was it was a plate that had fallen into the sink and And they they came out. They were like, there's nobody here. See ya." And we were like, oh, my God, they probably get that
1: all the time. I mean, there are so many things that can sound like a scary thing. I also need to talk about my privilege here in that when you started this story, I immediately was like, oh, Stan being all like Mr. Protector, woken up in the middle of the night with the bat in the hand going downstairs i mean i got a I don't have a fan near me but i almost wanted to bust out a fan i got a little flustered
0: well here i will t- then I'll, and then i'll tell you and then we'll take a break this one's a very fast one <laughs> i didn't know that stan is um uh like when you wake up stan you have to do it very gently or yeah. else like he will like he will panic. go into like yeah like fight or flight mode yeah and one night at our old place, um, it was warm in the middle of the night, and I'd gone into, we had an office next to our bedroom, and I just went in there to get a fan. Yeah. And as I'm carrying the fan back, I open the door, and Stan is shirtless, holding a baseball bat, <sighs> and in like a full, because Stan used to teach karate to kids when he was younger, doing like a full-on karate pose, wow. holding this bat, like terrified. That's a and, fantasy.
1: Wow.
0: And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I went to get the fan. But, so like that was my first experience. But now even if I just walk down the stairs and he's like in the kitchen doing dishes, I'll just like walk into the room in the middle of the daytime and yeah. be like, hey, so I was thinking and, and he'll he go like, "Oh!" Ah! Well, like, you know,
1: one thing I will say he, about he Stan. He
0: scares so easily.
1: He, I mean, I don't know. I didn't know that he scares so easily. But one thing that I have always known about Stan is that he is very very attentive to everything single thing happening in a room and a per, particularly the people in the room and that's what makes him so amazing he's come he's very and perceptive he's very he's very but he's also very protective and so there's this sort of like there's this and that's what makes him so hot is that like there's this sort of like awareness of something going on so if he gets surprised i'm not imagined i'm not surprised that he gets surprised by these and gets scared by these things because he's probably like thinking about like if the killer's in i got to get that back because i got to go save carrie you know what i mean like and that and that's hot
0: yes he's yes. definitely he's very he's very protective and like his loved ones are the most important people yes. to him and he he loves very hard and that's one of my favorite I things about him I, he's just so yeah
1: nice we love all well, you love standing
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you can love Stan too. Everyone can love yeah, Stan. Everyone, everyone loves to Everyone
1: in the comments for this episode, go say you love Stan.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: Should we take a break well, and come back?
0: Yes, let's do All it. Right, let's do it. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to
1: 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring
0: D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Saving start with three travelers, eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. I feel good. Dad, are you singing to your cereal? Yes, I am, like I knew that I would. No, No. a dance too? Come on, Ava. Silk almond milk starts the morning on a high note. Yeah! Songs, dances, and dad jokes. So good! So good! I got you! Mm. Silk almond milk. With calcium, vitamins A, D, and E feel plenty good and we're back so again this episode right out the gate starts with the women realizing um that their house on richmond street has been broken into no i'm sorry before Um,
1: before we even get into the i
0: know i whose idea do you think was the madonna concert it was blanche's right
1: well see that's the thing that's what i'm wondering about because like When they talked about sort of the the shocking things that Madonna did in the show, which this would have been like a virgin tour, so she would have been doing some crazy things, but not quite as crazy as what she did on the Blonde Ambition tour, which came five years later, let me just say that. Um, But I wonder, because like one of the things that I felt was missing from this episode is some of those quick comebacks that we would have gotten in other seasons. And when Dorothy said the line about like, you know, she did things I didn't do with my husband or whatever, like that would have been a moment that we would have said, oh, well, this is obviously Blanche's idea to go see this show. But she didn't even respond to that. She didn't even take the bait when when Dorothy said that. So that's why I was kind of like, you can definitely tell you're watching a first season episode by that moment, you know?
0: It was just begging for some context because Dorothy, Blanche, Sophia, they all seem to be like confused or a little bitter that they were there. Blanche is the only one who doesn't, essentially shit on Madonna in this yeah. opening so I was like oh maybe it was Blanche's idea but it's just so interesting that they're all talking about this Madonna concert that they went to and I'm like well you're you you seem surprised at what you saw yeah why were you at a Madonna concert why? Yeah,
1: that's the other thing is that like it's I mean I love the idea of them at a Madonna concert but it kind of makes me think of like the videos that Gail King posted about being at like when she was at Taylor Swift's concerts and stuff I was like oh she's kind of like a like a Dorothy at a at a at a Taylor Swift concert. Like she doesn't quite belong, or even the Beyonce. Well, she probably she belongs to the Beyonce concert. She loves Beyonce. Like she interviewed Beyonce and Jay-Z. But the Taylor Swift one, I was a little like <laughs> I think I think only teen girls and like young women should be at that concert. I think. I don't know. I'm I don't don't have the Swifties come for me. I don't know anything about Taylor Swift, but
0: Yeah, you have to be careful. I don't really care. Well, right now she's dating <laughs> the brother of one of our Eagles players. And she's see, that's dating. the thing.
1: I'm learning football from Taylor Swift because I didn't even know who this man was.
0: You I... didn't even know who who the Kelseys were. Who
1: there's a Kelsey? See,
0: I know. So, What's yeah. So, I know Jason Kelsey, who plays on the Eagles, because he was—this <laughs> is going to make me sound like an idiot. The Eagles put out a Christmas album, and if you're an Eagles fan, the, the you know does? it. Yes, they put out a Christmas album. They have some players who are actually really good singers, but Jason Kelsey, the brother of Travis Kelsey, who's dating Taylor Swift— Is singing on the Christmas album. They had a lot of fun, and I love Jason Kelsey. What's that?
1: Is he a good singer or a bad singer?
0: He's a good singer.
1: See, my hot take when I saw the pictures of him and Taylor Swift dating was mainly that he probably should do an OnlyFans someday. But that was really it. Like, I don't really know much about this man. I didn't even know he was a football person, but now I do. So, like, in a weird way, Taylor Swift is teaching us things.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think. I mean, it's great. She gets people to register to vote, and then she helps. She helps um, sales of uh, NFL merch go up. You know the the (laughs) the struggling mom and pop company of the NFL. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So the women come inside, and the living room is in disarray.
1: Terrifying. That's a terrifying experience. Absolutely.
0: Have you ever? I mean, we've been
1: broken into before. Not in this apartment, but like I've been broken into before, and it's it's a it's a discomforting experience.
0: I have knock on wood never I I've had my car broken into before mm. and I stupidly left my phone in the <sighs> car so somebody took my phone Oh
1: well you were asking which
0: that. was yeah I know and I was like on Hollywood Boulevard I was doing a storytelling oh, show I was yeah. doing risk at uh Meltdown Comics at the Nerd Showroom where we used to do our live shows I was rushing I was oh. rushing because I was late to a show and I was performing and yeah. um yeah I left it there and then Somebody broke into it and took it. Um, but yes, it's a very violating feeling. And I'm sure anybody else who's ever been robbed or burgled, burglarized. Um, his. And I know last time around, I know I talked about the difference between robberies and burglaries. So I will not get into it here. But I will say the women use the word robbery a lot when really what they mean is a burglary, <laughs> which I believe I learned from Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler we, and former, former guest. guest of this podcast. Yes. So... Um, Dorothy's Dirty Harry speech. That whole, this is so camp. It is just so camp.
1: It is so over the top. And how much time it ate up.
0: This, I mean, this whole episode, minus the parking garage scene, this entire episode took place in the house. Yeah. Which I actually really like those episodes. Same. Because they are the hardest to write. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what makes them the greatest episodes. they when... the most comforting. Very comforting because you're not re- you're not relying on plot as much as you are a character and you mm-hmm. can really dive into your characters in great ways and do these fun little stories between them. And yeah. um, I did like throughout this episode, the women sort of had different reactions and POVs mm-hmm. on different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the women all kind of had different reactions to the discovery of being broken into. Blanche was immediately worried about her most precious things, her jewels. <laughs> Dorothy is like, oh, I'm going to step up and try to scare them away if the burglars are still here with her Dirty Harry speech. Mm Sophia is just like, eh, and then just goes to check out her room because she like she says, like at my age, bathtubs are scary. So I'm not going to let fear rule my life. And then Rose, poor Rose, she is absolutely crippled with fear. She imagines the worst possible scenario. You know, what if they had broken in while we were here? What if they had killed us? Like it, it breaks my heart.
1: Um, I feel like I would be a rose. I have to admit. I was
0: gonna ask who which woman you would be in this scenario. i d- i definitely i mean
1: i I think I am a protector, so I kind of go in maybe a little bit of a dorothy mode i don't i wouldn't do i don't know dirty Harry so I wouldn't do that but i but ultimately, the anxiety of the invasion would get to me i think
0: yeah but, i'd be i'd be a rose in this situation yeah. too i think I feel like I just wouldn't want to spend time in my place. I yeah. feel like I just want to get but out. That's and, how I and... am
1: too. Like when my dad died, yeah. I, I mean, I process difficult news in, I don't think weird ways, but I think I, I have a way of dealing with things and I, I tend to leave a situation. I leave, I just have to leave. I have to get out of the house and I have to go do something. I think we went to Target and I just have mm-hmm. to get out of the house and go do something. and Or I go to sleep. That's literally mm-hmm. how I deal with things. I like during chemo, all I did was like sleep most of the time. Not because I was sick, but because I just was like, I don't want to think anything. I don't want to deal with emotions. I'm just going to go to sleep. And so those mm-hmm. are the, I just kind of deal with it that way. So I feel like I would probably maybe go in that direction too.
0: Yeah, we, I feel like we all definitely have different coping mechanisms for dealing with that stuff. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the just kind of needing to get out get and be a busy body it. and just yep. do something different and try to compartmentalize the best you can. Mm-hmm. Um, So the burglars stole Dorothy's mink stole. Yeah. Uh, you know that B. Arthur did not want to have her character own oh. a mink stole.
1: Yeah, that was this was not this was fully a Susan Harris said so. So I have to do it. It was like
0: season one. She yeah. was like, OK. But then when it got to the point of breeding minks, like that's when she was really like, I'm really pissed now. Yeah. Um. So Dorothy has a joke where she says that the stole was the only gift that Stan ever gave her that didn't need an extension cord. Which is
1: so funny. What
0: did what do you think she meant by that?
1: Oh, I think like a toaster oven or. OK, a,
0: like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah,
1: like a like household okay. appliances. I feel like he would do that to her.
0: Okay, because it was just the extension cord of it all. I, I was know, like, wait a minute.
1: Like a vibrator? Because I mean, I don't. Maybe... My
0: mind first went to vibrator, oh, and no. then I was like, no, no, Stan would never get her that. And that would be a cool gift. But then yeah. I also thought, when do I ever need an extension cord when I'm using the vacuum? I guess maybe back then vacuums had shorter cords. Yeah, you
1: probably need to get it all around the house if it's a big house, you know?
0: Yeah, but you just have different outlets in different rooms. Oh, but Carrie
1: knows this about me. I do love a vacuum, and I have upgraded to a Dyson, and it has changed my life. If you are a vacuum freak like I am, get yourself a Dyson. It's an investment, but it's completely worth it, and you will get your rocks off whenever you vacuum. It makes me so satisfied. It's like sex.
0: You love Dysons so much that when I was visiting my in-laws and I realized my mother-in-law had the cordless Dyson, I took a photo of her using it and sent it to you. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I <laughs> like love it. porn. Like here it. you go. I love it.
1: I love my Dyson. I love a Dyson. I love a vacuum in general. I love a vacuum. I love a. I love a little Swiffer thing. My mother. I went. I was just visiting my mom in St. Louis, and on the table, on the countertop, she has a little like, like, like countertop suction thing that you just kind of, it kind of looks like a dildo, I have to admit, because it's in that shape. But you take it out of its holder, and you kind of just, (laughs) and you like suck up all the things, and it is just, it's just so satisfying like a dildo.
0: I like to clean. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm not big on cleaning,
1: but I love vacuuming.
0: Does what's the what's the split? So you do all the vacuuming, and what does oh, do you and Michael only share? Do the
1: vacuuming. I I'm, I mean I do other things. I do many things, but I often like a lot of times. You know, Michael will be cutting things or fabrics, or there'll be strings around or whatever it is. You know, and I will just. I'll, I'll eagerly be like, yeah, make a mess. Make a mess. Scott, <laughs> just so I can you... like go grab the vacuum. But I see they didn't it. get your cocaine.
0: I love it. You're so perfect for each other because yeah. Michael's career oh, just allows him cocaine? to make tiny little messes yep. all over the floor that yep. you can clean up. Wow, that's really sweet. So satisfying.
1: There was, uh, I have to admit, I but there's nothing about a vacuum and then I swear yes. we're done with vacuums. So I had a bad vacuum for a long time. It was like an aging vacuum and we had um, we have carpet in our bedroom, which we hate. And I had often vacuumed it, but it didn't really do a great job. And then when I got the Dyson and I started vacuuming, and the amount of like dust and stuff, it brought up so much that I had to like vacuum the room like multiple times to really get it. Oh, and up.
0: empty it. Oh
1: it was <laughs> the best day of my life.
0: I we're talking about vacuums. You would think that we're talking about Dorothy's son Michael when he's yeah. shirtless <laughs> in bed. <laughs> The way that you're behaving right now. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes in this episode, which we're going to play, is when Blanche comes in from the kitchen when she's like rifling through the flower and now she's covered in it. I'll play it. Yes, please.
1: It's so funny. It's And the perfect handprints on her chest is just so good.
0: It was so good. I absolutely love that joke. So yeah, so Blanche Blanche is missing her mother's jewels, which um, she had hid in the flower, or so she thought. Um, and Dorothy says that that's always where the burglars look. Well, she says robbers, but she says they look in the flour. They look in the freezer. They don't even bother overturning, you know, opening drawers anymore. Have you ever heard of, like, anybody yeah. in your family, anybody hiding no. No, jewels might... or valuables in weird places? No,
1: we don't own jewels or valuables. Um, but uh, I it is, I believe it's a Depression-era thing. Like, you hide the expensive stuff in, like, like that's where i think it came from so i have heard of it before
0: yeah i just thought it was interesting that it does the seem, freezer
1: it seems like a weird i mean the freezer i get but it the the flour it just seems weird to me cuz it would get dirty you would think i guess you put it in a ziploc well, i don't even, really know
0: i guess you put it in a ziploc but then like yeah i get yeah just maybe weird. maybe it's that because then you're rifling through flour yeah. and yeah. if you're you know a burglar I don't know. I, then, it, was then, just, it was interesting. When you
1: rifle through flour, and if you're a burglar and you're taking it out, and you touch anything else in the in the house, if you're not wearing gloves, your fingerprints are going to be everywhere because it's flour.
0: Yeah. So it's pretty much like you're just yeah you're making the the police's job a lot easier. A lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is another joke in this scene that I absolutely love, and it feels like such a Susan Harris joke. Um, I just wanted to play it for everybody.
1: You ought to see the mess they made in there. They fat tore this place apart. They were probably looking for drugs. (laughs) We have Maalox and estrogen. (laughs) Now, how many junkies have gas and hot flashes? (laughs) That just felt like such a
0: Susan Harris joke to me. I love it. It's so funny,
1: though, too. It's so funny.
0: Um, I also noticed in this episode... These early episodes, Sophia's wig is so wiggy. I
1: don't think it's a wig. I think she colored her hair. I think it's her actual hair. Really? Yeah. I think in the first season, they colored her hair because they talked about that, about how she came back second season and she had a facelift and her hair was red and like all of these different things. So I have a feeling the first season, that was her natural hair. I could be wrong. We should ask Stan or something. But I, I have I thought... it looks I mean, because I, I wear a lot of wigs. And that, that the, the the hairline on that for wigs back then, I don't believe that's a wig.
0: Really? Yeah. See, I thought for the pilot they dyed her hair because it was like kind of curly. But and... You also have
1: to remember that the shooting of these episodes was all out of place too because there was like, wasn't there like one episode that they were supposed to air earlier but they didn't and then it aired later? And so like I feel like the shooting schedule for a lot of the early episodes was sort of all over.
0: I think I... I think um guess who's coming to the wedding was maybe not supposed to be the second episode Mm uh but i don't remember which one was supposed to be the second episode but this was episode eight i feel like by this time i I don't know though um yeah maybe this was supposed to be earlier i don't know i was just i always forget in these some of these season one episodes i'm just i was just like oh that's a that is a wiggy wig but maybe it wasn't a wig yeah um, I also loved, again, like the women having different POVs, different opinions. Yeah. They all have different opinions on why this happened, on why the house on Richmond Street was burglarized. Rose thinks it's because they don't have husbands to protect them. Blanche thinks it's because of karma, but like not hers. Uh, And Dorothy, very pragmatic Dorothy, is like, no, it's because we have a lousy sliding door and massive unemployment. That's why this happened.
1: Which, I mean, I have to admit, I kind of side with Dorothy in this one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, okay, so the next scene, let's talk. (laughs) We have to talk about the victim of a violent crime guy.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: I feel. Fucking hate this guy. Oh,
1: I do too. I do too. I, I hate, hate everyone hate like him. him. It reminded me of a recent conversation I had with someone at the electric company. I called them to have them explain the bill. Because oh. My, For some
0: reason, I thought you meant like the TV show.
1: No, no, no. An actual <laughs> the phone The actual electric company. And this person on the phone, she was giving me so much attitude when I was just asking questions about my bill. And then finally, I had to tell her, you need to stop being so aggressive. I feel like you're being aggressive. And either you give me to someone else or you answer my questions. And she get, she became more aggressive. And then she went into this weird conversation about schooling me on how to use electricity. And I was just like, girl, girl. I just want to know why my bill is three hundred dollars.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She. Mm, no.
1: Mm-hmm. She tried to like guilt me, make me feel things. No. Don't. Don't. You were don't.
0: like, I have a battery operated vacuum cleaner. Yes. Thank you. Yes.
1: But then she was like, <laughs> she was like, go. You have to go through the apartment. And you have to make sure everything is unplugged except for the refrigerator. And I'm like,
0: who does that? Yeah, they do say that. I mean, I don't know that it would warrant a, you know, much bigger bill. Yes, but
1: I know. Thank you. Sorry. That's it. So,
0: no, that's okay. Please. This is, I mean, what is this podcast if not a yes. big therapy session for us? <laughs> Promotions um, for
1: vacuums and venting.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, but before we get to the victim of a violent crime guy, I know I brought it up. Also, the scene before is where we get Dorothy's go to sleep, Rose, pray for brains yeah. line yeah. that I know is one of your favorites. Yes. Um. So yeah, victim of a violent crime guy. What a schmuck. Um. V- um. Yeah, he's awful. He's preying on these women. He's trying to scare them into buying his lousy security system. I hate to see older people Same. preyed upon, Same. especially through like fear tactics, mm-hmm.
1: and it happens um, so often.
0: Yes. And it really bothers me. And my dad, who's older and lives alone, he's in his 70s. He like he puts like boards up in Mm -hmm. front of it in chairs in front of his door every night because he's so afraid that like someone's going to break into his house or something like. And I feel like it's because he's getting preyed on by Mm -hmm. people who are trying to sell him stuff because he's.
1: His Ultras, memory is not super great. I know
0: it, it. drives me crazy. It makes but me very angry. Dorothy gives but, him
1: a piece of her mind.
0: Yes, and I I want to play that moment because ugh. oh.
1: Okay, we're getting the basic system, whatever. But not from you, from your competitor. What? Because what you were trying to do was terrify us into spending more money than we have. Now get out of here before the victim of violent crime in this house is you. <laughs> okay. The reason why I love the Ah. delivery of that line is everyone can relate to the moment when your level of anger or frustration gets so high that as you're communicating your level of anger or frustration, you begin to lose your voice. And that is exactly what happened with Dorothy here, where she was like, the only one who's going to be like she almost struggled, was struggling to get out the line because you could tell she was reaching, like she didn't want to breathe. There was no breath in it because she wanted to get it all out in that one thing. And that's how you know she meant business. She didn't even have time to breathe.
0: It's it you're right. She didn't have time to breathe. She was so angry. She's so like grounded, mm-hmm. and she's up and she shuts that door on him and i like no bullshit i absolutely loved it and you know what like she deserved that applause break Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so after dorothy kicks out the victim of a violent crimes guy um she goes and she sits on the couch with rose and blanche and as i mentioned earlier when i was watching this scene i was like oh that's the red jacket that blanche is wearing in the opening credits when she puts her sleeve over her hand yeah So if you're a huge Golden Girls fan, you know, this moment obviously never appeared in the episode. It was a deleted moment. Um, And we know that it's obviously after Dorothy kicks this guy out of the house and then they're sitting on the couch for a few minutes. So if if we could, I'd like to talk about what happens in these few minutes while the three women are sitting on the couch, Okay, because then I'm curious to know. Where you think this deleted Blanche bit could have happened, and what she might have actually been saying when she pulls her hand over her her sleeve over her hand?
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, is this where Rose the gun?
0: No. So so here so here's what happens. Dorothy kicks the guy out. Applause break. Dorothy sits on the couch and she's basically like, "Look, it could be worse. We're not alone. At least we have each other." Yes. Then. Rose says it's better than you know it's it's always better with men she says that she was safer with Charles it's so funny to hear her refer to Charles Charles she said she was never once robbed or murdered when she was with Charles uh so she tells that little thing and then Blanche says you know whenever she'd hear a noise George would take out his gun and oh, he'd look for the bullets yes. but Blanche would hide the bullets and then he'd find them and they'd make love I, um I have
1: a feeling First off, how absurd it is. I love that Blanche got off on a really extreme kink sex play with George bringing out a gun, which is something that, as someone who is very anti-guns, I don't recommend that. But I also support your sexual journey in whatever you decide to do. Um, That said, I have a feeling there maybe was something where... (laughs) The gun accidentally went off and nearly shot my hand off and like pulled her like, you know what I mean? Like something, something about a hand and the gun and being shot off because I can't imagine her doing that with anything sexual.
0: So it's that's an interesting take. I treated I I watched the little moment in the opening credits in this scene over and over again, like somebody trying to analyze like the Kennedy Zapruder (laughs) film. Like, that's what I did. And when Blanche is telling the George story, she's very like, ooh, and then we'd make love and I'd hide the bullet, whatever. And then when she's telling the story with her hand, she's like a little more scared and frantic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. I also felt like Between when Dorothy says, at least we have each other. And when Rose says, you know, it was always better with a man. For some reason, I feel like it came between those two things. I think that if I were to guess, I would say that when Dorothy's like, at least we have each other, at least we're not alone. Yeah. I think Blanche then off of Dorothy saying that tells some kind of story either when she lived in the house alone on Richmond Street or just when she was home and George wasn't home there was some kind of scary incident and the the reenactment somehow involves her pulling her sleeve over her hand yeah. and she tells this funny story and then Rose says it's better with men so i think it happened in between there i have no idea what the story could be or why she's doing this
1: so interesting oh we- i
0: also i also checked reddit to see if anybody oh. else had theories and there is an interesting theory Someone on Reddit said, quote, it's been theorized that Blanche was telling a story about a dog biting off someone's hand when she does the thing with her sleeve, since they also got a guard dog during the episode.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because if you notice, once the women stand up from the couch, a dog starts barking in the kitchen and yes. Dorothy's like, this dog was your idea. And it does feel a little bit like the dog comes out of no- nowhere. But again, I get—I analyzed the shit out of this like I really did. <laughs> But then counterpoint to that later in the scene when Blanche is expressing her feelings on dogs, she's like, I don't even know why people have dogs at all. I don't like anything in my house that does not know how to use a toilet. So I was like, well, Blanche's. it seems like Blanche is expressing her opinion about dogs for the first time here. Yeah. So I was like, maybe she's not talking about dogs.
1: <laughs> I don't really know. But I do know that. Listeners, please sound off in the comment section of this episode's post and the stories and let us know what you think. And while you're doing that right now, we need to take a little break. So go leave that comment right now and then we'll be right
0: And, back. and if anybody listening has an original production draft of this episode, <laughs> uh, Je- Jeffrey Carter, our last guest, if you ever get your hands on this, you have to let us know. Yes. Because I'm i am dying to know what the moment is. And I'm dying to know what you all think this moment is. Let, so sound let's, off in the comments. Let's think about it and take a break. At Enterprise, we know you're constantly on the move. Getting this. Thanks, mom. Fixing that. You reach a destination. And then it's on to the next. And when life is moving at the speed of, well, life, Enterprise is right there with you, around the corner and around the globe. We'll keep you moving forward. Enterprise, for lives in drive. This episode is brought to you by Fidelity. Placing a trade shouldn't be complicated. It should be smooth as butter. The Fidelity app makes investing easy with 0 commission U.S. stock and ETF trades, no account minimums, and fractional shares trading. Fidelity, where nothing comes between you and the trade. That's smooth. Download our app free from the App Store or Google Play. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from $0.01 to $0.03 per $1,000 of principal. No account minimums apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. And we're back. Okay. I do have one more like thing to talk self-host. about. And we're back. How's everyone doing? Well, <laughs> that's the host in me. Yeah. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Carrie Doherty here for IMDb. Don't <inaudible> forget <inaudible> to like <inaudible> and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget to add this to your watch list. Back to you, Tim. No, I never did one of those, like, back to yous. Actually, maybe I did. I did live stuff. Um. So the other thing I want to talk about in this scene yes. that... Again, is really interesting given that it's a season one episode. I noticed toward the end of this scene, there were kind of weird camera angles and sort of camera placements that oh. they not did, they didn't really use later on. So think about anytime you see someone go from like the couch to the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. The camera is always closer to like the, door. the side, closer to the door, right? Because yeah. you're you're looking at an angle, but when Sophia goes into the kitchen to get a snack when she goes in with the guard dog and the women are freaking Mm -hmm. out. And then Dorothy comes out and grabs the snack. The camera is like basically right. It's all the way to the right of the living room so that the kitchen door is like flush. It's flush. Exactly. So. It was it was so jarring to watch because I was like, oh, that's not what we usually see because the women, the women get so close to the camera.
1: Yeah, I think that might be for dramatic effect because the whole moment is Sophia's going in there with this dangerous dog, you know?
0: I don't think so. I think it was them. I mean, maybe, you know what? Maybe, maybe it was a director's choice. I've just there have been so many moments in this series where crazy things are happening and people are entering and exiting the kitchen and they've never used that camera placement yeah. again So interesting. because it's weird. It's claustrophobic yeah. and it just feels weird. But yeah. anyway, so just when you watch the end of that scene, when Sophia goes into the kitchen, um, which I <laughs> so. So when Sophia goes into the kitchen with the, the guard dog barking. Yeah. Rose and Blanche are like, Sophia, no. And they basically think she's being mauled by the dog. When they call Dorothy into the room.
1: Dorothy! It sounds like Auntie M calling for Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz.
0: Oh, it kind of does. Can you do that for me? Dorothy!
1: Dorothy!
0: Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But when Dorothy comes in, they... They take way too long explaining to her yeah. what's going on. Instead of being like, your mom's in the kitchen, go. Or like, yeah. the dog, go. Yeah. They're like, Dorothy. Oh, Dorothy. Oh, it's your mother. Something happened. And she's like, <laughs> Ma, what happened? And they're like, the dog. And then <laughs> Sophia just comes out. And I was like, that is the worst way. Yeah. Yeah. To, um, I have to a feeling really... <laughs> this
1: episode might have had some reshoots. Don't you think? Oh. Because, like, because of the whole sleep thing and all of the things. I have a feeling they might have like gone back and like shot some other stuff because I feel like they probably cleaned up parts of this episode.
0: I think just from talking to someone who worked on the show for a long time who said anytime Susan Harris wrote an episode, it was never rewritten. It was like always perfect. So I think if anything, we know that there were things that were deleted from it. So if anything, it may have just been a longer script and they had to cut Mm -hmm. some stuff out but i don't i don't know that that there were necessarily any reshoots but i will say i do think that there was some deleted stuff in the scene because the 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 guard dog kind of comes out of nowhere it's never introduced all of a sudden they just have a guard dog Mm -hmm. and it's barking in the other room and the audience is kind of catching up yeah um So that, to me, felt like there was a conversation introducing the idea of a guard dog earlier. And that was cut out for time. Interesting. Um, And then the guard dog escapes the house. And it's gone. And it's gone. Um, So in the next scene, we're really starting to see the aftermath of this burglary. Um, So first, the women have a loud security system that goes off as soon as you open the front door. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see this with Rose coming into the house. Um, but what's funny is that so Rose comes inside, the alarm goes off, she turns off the alarm and it's like, I had to come in fast because there was a swarthy man outside with a weapon. Mm-hmm. But when Rose comes inside, she shuts off the alarm, but she, she leaves the door wide open. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it it's, it's, there's not much safety there.
0: There's not much safety, but it turns out the swarthy man was the gardener, Fernando. And I just I can't believe that Rose didn't recognize her own teddy bear. Oh <laughs> da, 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 da. Fernando. Um uh in Blanche, I love Rue McClanahan's performance in this scene. This is Anytime it's like
1: a a, a, uh, a lesson in camp. It was just a full-on lesson in building up tension in
0: camp. She was so, she's so dramatic. I love it. Like this should have been her Patrick Vaughn audition. Um so blanche and we don't know what what's happened for a moment um but we learned that blanche borrowed rosa's hairspray when she went down to the police station mm-hmm. um but when she uh got there and used it she quickly learned yes. that it was mace i maced myself um i also love and it's such a Blanche thing. I love the image of her using hairspray in a police station.
1: I mean, can you imagine having that in your purse? It I just can't. goes back
0: to her vanity. Yeah. Like, yes, I'm here to ask about my jewels, but while I'm here, I might as well try to pick up men. Yeah. Um. So we do have a little bit of sort of worked up Blanche in this scene. So let's play some of that.
1: got your hairspray and gave my hair a final spritz. Only surprise, it wasn't hairspray. It was mace. (laughs) You had mace. Your hairspray was mace. I maced myself right there in the police station.
0: (laughs) almost died. I fell to the floor, blinded, writhing in pain. Couldn't move for 20 minutes. But what do you know? It works. (laughs) Works? They thought I was on angel dust. What is
1: angel dust? Is it cocaine?
0: I think it's cocaine, right? I'll look it up. It's the cocaine. You look it up. Um, It was nice to see Rose with a smile on her face, like for the first time in this episode. And she's like, well, what do you know? It worked. Um, Also later, I think that's also the way that Rose describes the man in the parking garage when she takes him down. She's like, he was lying on the floor, writhing in pain. She uses like the same language that Blanche uses. Um,
1: Angel dust dust is something called Finn's like. Slicodine? slicidine. I can't, I can't pronounce it. And it is considered a dissociative drug, leading to distortion of sights, colors, sounds, self, and one's environment. PCP was developed in the 1950s. Oh, PCP. Um, yeah. Okay. There you go. So not cocaine. Yeah.
0: Okay, not cocaine.
1: <laughs> don't use it, though, kids. Don't use it.
0: I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing that we didn't know what it was.
1: I mean, or we're um, just we were squares. Yes.
0: Lori Squares, Um, (laughs) have you ever accidentally, like, maist or pepper sprayed yourself? No!
1: Although, (laughs) um, so Brent Sullivan, past guest on this podcast, friend of the fam, uh, he lives downtown because he's weird, uh, in Los Angeles downtown. I don't understand people who live in downtown Los Angeles, but whatever. Um, So he lives in downtown Los Angeles and he loves it. But he, he says that in addition to his mace, he has bear spray, which is like a more intense, I guess, version of a disassociate yeah. like, like whatever. And he used it, but he's like, if I spray it, that means everyone in the room is going to be impacted by it. So it's like, why do you use it? If you trying to protect yourself is also going to be hurt in the process of... I mean, but I will say he left when I left his apartment once and I had to walk through a weird parking garage, a similar situation to Rose in this episode, he did give me some mace to go. But then the next time I went to Disney, I had the mace on me and I had to give up the mace because no one needs mace in Disney, but I forgot I had the mace on me. So I don't have
0: the mace. That's anymore. happened to me before. I've accidentally brought it like on my keys to yeah. the airport or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, yeah. I've never maced or pepper sprayed myself, but a friend of mine- She'd had her pepper—this was years ago, but she'd had her pepper spray for a while, and she wanted to test it to make sure it worked. And instead of doing it, like, outside, she was in her apartment. She's like, oh, I'll just do it in the kitchen sink with, like, the water running. Oh, my God. And she sprayed it and said it just immediately I mean, yeah. went right back into her face. And oh she's like, God. it was—but she's like, it worked! Like, she had that rose optimism <laughs> of, like, well, it works! Um. So— it reminds so, me of
1: that episode of The Office too, when <laughs> Dwight maces um like everybody or does something. Does it mace? I think it's mace. When when he's when uh Jim is about to be hit by Angela's oh fiance. he maces
0: no Wait. Pam's fiance and yes he sprays him with like it might be bear spray Wait, but is yes it bear he sprays spray? him with but no mace or ma- something. Angela's
1: fiance not is it Angela no Pam Pam's no fiance. it's Pam Pam it's fiance Roy is, is gonna hit Jim. And is going to hit Jim. Dwight does the bear spray thing.
0: Yeah, he's got yes. it under his desk, and then they show all the other weapons that he has, and, and everyone goodness, around them is like, Ugh, uh, uh.
1: "Yeah,
0: yeah." Everybody, they're all coughing. Yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs>
1: what a funny scene. So,
0: so Dorothy puts her foot down with Rose. Um, she does multiple times in this episode, but she's like, "Look, Rose, this is enough. No more mace. No grenades. Nothing." Which, like, I mean. To Rose's, in Rose's defense, the mace incident is kind of Blanche's fault. Yes. It's not like she gave Blanche her mace and said it was hairspray. Like, Blanche just took it and didn't, you know, I actually think it's smart to carry pepper spray. So I actually don't think that Dorothy should be trying to talk her out of that necessarily. Um, Regardless, Rose says it doesn't matter because she bought a gun. (laughs) And... This moment here really, I think, illustrates the problem in our country with easy access to guns, because she literally went to a gun store and she's like, the guy taught me how to use it. And she's got it in like a little paper bag with knitting supplies. The
1: fact that A, the knitting supplies were never explained and B, how casual she was just taking sort of just yarn out of her bag. That also just had a gun that wasn't packaged, wasn't in a box, wasn't anything. It was well. Literally... We
0: don't know because she never takes it out. She just takes out her yeah. little piece of paper. But we can assume it's. it's I don't know. I'm bag. assuming it's just loose in there.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. So terrifying. so terrifying.
0: So yeah, very terrifying. Um, and and Dorothy, I mean, is is now I think rightfully yes shocked and is like, Although... okay, this has now gone too far. But and sh- shock and, her
1: that Blanche is not terrified, and she's just like, you go ahead, you kill the killers
0: well, yeah, Blanche's whole attitude this entire time it's like getting her jewels back and also we need to kill them yeah. like we need to kill the burglars yeah
1: Which it's is, like okay <laughs> yeah it's
0: yeah I understand that our justice system is flawed, but like that's extreme yeah um so and i do think that dorothy actually gives rose really good advice she's like you should think you know consider seeing someone to talk about your fears like maybe a psychiatrist and Mm -hmm. i also feel like you know rose of all people she works in grief counseling you'd think that she would kind of understand yeah you know where dorothy's coming from but um but she's like you think i'm crazy and this is the act break moment now this is the second time in this series that the act break moment, the story has been like real dramatic. Yeah. Like, like a a really dramatic, and in this case, traumatic moment. Mm-hmm. And yet, instead of using that like kind of, oh no, what's gonna happen music that they usually use in an act break moment on the show, they instead put the like cheerful, uppity, resolved end of episode music and it does not match the tone not at and all. it's incredibly jarring it happens multiple so, times
1: in this episode
0: so yes so we're gonna play here's rose freaking out followed by cheerful cheerful music
1: you think i'm crazy no i don't
0: but i do think you need help i mean you don't eat you don't sleep you're you're afraid all the time you got nothing to fear but fear itself and, of course, the boogeyman.
1: <laughs> it's so strange.
0: What is happening? It's so strange. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. OK, so I, uh, that is not the music that you want to hear. <laughs> um. So now we see the women as they come home from visiting a psychiatrist together, which, again, it's great. They all did it together. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the women, again, we get their kind of different opinions on the situation. So Blanche, when it comes to the psychiatrist, Blanche is like, oh, he was hitting on me the whole time. She's feeling good. Sophia hated it. She's like the psychiatrist blames everything on the mothers. Dorothy feels better after having talked to the doctor. And Rose is like, I actually feel worse because this was my last hope. Yeah. Um, Rose has been. That's a
1: very real feeling too. I mean, it's just so sad. Yeah. And it she does a great job in sort of expressing it. This Like Betty White does a great job in expressing that.
0: Yeah, because she's spending a lot of this episode terrified yeah. and she keeps it up and it's great. So, you know, Rose now has been sleeping during the day and staying up at night. Um, And now it's later in the night. Blanche is coming back from a date. And we finally see who the victim of the violent crime in this house is. And that's Blanche's vase. <laughs> Shot
1: my buzz! <laughs> I heard footsteps and a man's voice, and the alarm went off. It was Lester. He accidentally set off the alarm. Oh, I'm sorry. You shot my boss. <laughs> I didn't shoot Lester. I'd rather you shot Lester. Uh, poor Lester. But also, what a poor great Lester. what a great actor to be. I mean, there are some good guest actors in this episode, but he 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 was like. Like handing the keys, like they were the most delicate thing He's ever. He's like, I gotta go. Yeah. Um,
0: and she's like, Oh, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, but Bl- yeah, Blanche. So Blanche is, I mean, Blanche is just losing all of her valuables. Um, <laughs> and then there's this really emotional moment. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, she is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's this really emotional moment where you know Dorothy tells Rose that you know that this is crippling her. Yeah. She's like. The robbers are gone. Again, she means burglars, but she says robbers. The robbers are gone, and Rose is like, "I know that." Like intellectually, Rose knows that, yeah. but she's like, "But in my mind, they're here, and they'll always be here." And that really breaks my heart. Yeah, I mean, for her,
1: it breaks my heart for anyone who, I mean, people who are experiencing trauma. I've been there. People who are experiencing depression. I mean, you, 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 you mentally, you can see that's the problem with a lot of these head brain problems is that like intellectually a part of your brain sees the path to being well and that it's going Mm -hmm. to be okay and that everything is fine but the overarching sort of like impact is of trauma of depression of all these different things is that it it sort of eats at that the rational part of your brain Mm -hmm. and you can't shake it so you wake up in a panic or you wake up in whatever it is and it's 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 really it's really interesting
0: I have this really weird thing for almost my entire life. Like I can't and I know there are a lot of people who can't go to bed in silence and not even with like a noise machine. I can't either. But I have to I go to sleep with like an like an earbud in and I like an AirPod and I listen to a podcast or I listen Uh. to the Golden Girls or a YouTube video because if I just sleep in silence, again, this has happened to me since I was like a teenager, the like worst moments ever that I've ever experienced in my life or the worst case scenarios I could imagine just creep into my brain and invade it. And it's, Mm -hmm. and it's just when I lay down to sleep. And so I I just know that money
1: stuff. I have that with depression. I have it with so many different things where like the panic or the trauma of that can like really just eat at you. Michael did text me though, one of um, our favorite quotes on anxiety. Um, And it comes from the philosopher, um, she's, you know, very well known for being just someone who really is a humanitarian. Her name's Wendy Williams. And she said, shout out to everyone with social anxiety. I kind of feel sorry for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> poet a, laureate, a poet Wendy laureate, Williams. Wendy
1: Williams. Oh, I miss her so much.
0: Oh, I love that. Oh. Um. So, yeah, brains are weird. Um. So yes. then we get to the parking garage scene. And I so OK, here's I here's what I'm going to say. And then I don't know what the you clip, have to say.
1: The clip you had me pull from this. I mean, yes, we're going to have things to say. But the clip you had me pull from this is literally just sounds and music. And it's it's so Hitchcockian. And I love it. It's that.
0: very Hitchcockian. Yes. So. This was this parking garage scene. This was rare in the entire series. Yeah, Um, it was not shot on a set on the sound stages, it was shot on location in a parking garage, which possibly could have been somewhere on the studio lot. But like they left the sound stage for this. It kind of
1: looks, I mean, I've been in that Sunset Gower parking garage there, and it kind of looks like the Sunset Gower parking garage a little bit. I mean, parking garages all look the same, but still.
0: I mean they probably shot it there but they may not have. It yeah. all depends on it all depends on if they were able to like, you know, not have cars parked in whatever area they wanted to shoot in, the lighting situation. Um but you can tell it looks very different than the show. They're using yeah. some natural light. They're using a steady cam yeah. to follow Rose which is you never see steady cams in multicam shows ever. Um, there is a musical score. Like you said, it's very Hitchcockian to really enhance the eeriness, the urgency of the moment. Um, the music kind of reminded me of like Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, music. a little bit, a little bit. Um, and you know, it's, it's Rose. She's in a dress. She has a hat. She hears footsteps. She picks up her pace. Wait, the footsteps wait. pick up the pace.
1: I need to ask you about her outfit. So like, okay, <laughs> she was going to the dentist, right? She's <laughs> at the dentist. That outfit with that hat—that it's a hat that has to be pinned to her head. Like that is not a hat that she could just wear, you know. Mm-hmm. And to be that dolled up for a dentist appointment just threw me. This kind of like because even in the dentist chair, she's gonna have to unpin the hat. She's gonna have to put it to, like she's gonna have to. She's gonna have to basically take off her part of her look for this dentist experience. It's just, it felt like a lot. It made me very happy to live in a day where I could go to the dentist in shorts.
0: Yes. I hear you. I feel like, I feel like there was a reason they dressed her that way. It feels like it was maybe an homage to some kind of horror movie, maybe a Hitchcock movie. Um, well, You know, may- I mean, there you is,
1: know. there is a little bit of vertigo, you know, Hitchcock's yes. vertigo in it. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of, you know, there's yeah, you see it. You see the panic. You
0: know, yeah, there's there it feels like there's a little they're they're paying homage. Um, so you know, she starts to run, the footsteps run, yeah. she's rushing down the stairs. They definitely do build up the tension and the urgency here. And then at the last moment, a man sort of catches up to her. It's like legit scary. Yeah. Um, but I once again have to talk about the music transition oh, because yeah. The music transitions in this episode. Holy lord, what are we doing? Yeah. So, let's let's play the final scary moments of Rose in the parking garage. You you guys tell me if you can hear what I'm talking about. Okay. Oh
1: Okay, yeah, it's wild. But also, what's so interesting to hear it in just... What? The The
0: yo-yo effect.
1: What's so so interesting about hearing it in the audio, when only in audio form, because this is what's so interesting about movies and TV and everything and sound effects and all of it, is that when you're watching it, you don't really hear the steps. You do. They're a part of the picture that you're seeing, but you don't hear it. When you're only listening to it, it sounds like a horse trolloping. Oh,
0: I, I heard the steps because I can tell you right now that those were that was a foley sound effect. Mm-hmm. Those were not the real parking. Those no, steps no, of were so not. crystal clear. Yeah that yeah, they they they've always stood out to me. Yeah. Um but but the music like,
1: transition was the what?
0: music that it's like we're we're like terrified and then happy yeah. a, like a nanosecond later. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, so back at home, Dorothy, uh, Sophia, this is where we get the fantastic disdam moment. You're no good at disdamn game. Yeah. Um, I love that. Such an iconic moment. Uh Blanche comes home from the police station. She announces they've caught the burglars. And honestly, after everything they've been through, the women's reactions are so underwhelming. Yeah.
1: They're just like, Dorothy oh, wow. just goes,
0: Oh, that's wonderful, Blanche. Yeah. And Blanche is like, oh, whatever, they didn't find my jewelry. And then Rose comes in. Sophia leaves. I don't even think... No, Sophia's gone. They don't even yeah. tell Sophia that the burglars yeah. were caught. Rose comes in. The women do not tell Rose that they caught the burglars. Yep. They don't tell her for the rest of the scene.
1: <laughs> but she's... I mean, she has so much to share that they probably just got overwhelmed and forgot.
0: So they. Rose gave such a long explanation as to why she was in that parking garage. Yeah. She was like, the crown so, that came
1: off. And then the. yes, whole thing I had to the...
0: go to the dentist because yeah. I lost my crown eating a nectarine yesterday and there was no parking on the street. Yeah. And I guess it's because like, we all know that Rose was in such a state of fear that she wouldn't have left the house unless she absolutely needed to.
1: Yeah,
0: But what's really interesting, there are so many moments in this episode where like we're filled in later on the stuff like with the dog it's like oh all of a sudden the dog's barking and oh there was a dog blanche is like fanning herself on the couch and she's like oh i could have died and then we don't even know why until after rose comes so we didn't know why she was in that parking garage we're we're always getting the information after the shit happens yeah Um, Yeah, i also don't think we
1: need a lot of that information either like it's just you know we're okay with these characters reacting to the way they would because to me yeah, of course, Rose is going to react the way she's reacting. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's interesting because I feel like over the course of this series, we didn't see a lot of that. Yeah. So it's just different. That's all. Yeah. Um. So Rose tells the story: a guy was chasing her. Uh, you know, he got to her. She kicked him super hard. He fell to the ground. The it made her deposit realize. Box. <laughs> yes, and I kicked of the safety deposit box. It made her realize she can take care of herself, and she yeah. has nothing to be afraid of anymore. And this is treated like a good thing, but really it's just another example, I think, of Rose's fear taking control because she harmed an innocent person just like she shot (laughs) Blanche's vase.
1: Which also, I mean, yes, she did harm an innocent person, and I don't know if we talked about this in the original rewatch, but I still think the parking attendant was maybe a little too aggressive. I mean, a, a, a man running... After a woman grabbing a woman just to give her her keys like he could have just said, you know, I'm going to let her realize she doesn't have her keys when she gets to her car and then she'll come. Or
0: or he could have shouted across the parking garage, your keys!" Yes.
1: Just something (laughs) other than ma'am. Hey, lady. Hey, lady. Hey, lady. And then grab her. No.
0: Yeah. But I, I do think like there even Dorothy, she's like, Oh, honey, that's wonderful. And I'm like, No, it's yeah. not. No, this it's, isn't good. No, no. Like, we shouldn't just be like sugarcoating this and being like, Oh, well, okay, you're over your fear. That's great. But no, she she harmed another vase. <laughs> but it was a person. <laughs>
1: it was a person this time.
0: Yeah. Um and then Blanche finds her mama's jewels, they were in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah. I know.
1: I also think Like, Blanche admitting that they were just in the freezer the whole time. I feel like in that situation, I would just lie and be like, can you believe? Because, I mean, Rose doesn't even know that they found the stuff. So she'd be like, the police stopped by and they gave me my jewels. Like, I would have fully just lied.
0: Yeah. Because it's so funny because throughout the whole episode, you can tell she doesn't actually care about justice. She just cares about her jewels. Yeah. Because as soon as she finds them, she's like, eh, like she doesn't actually care what happened to them. I would be like
1: that too, I think.
0: I can't believe they didn't tell Rose that they caught the burglars. I feel like that would have been the first thing that they would have said. And I feel like Dorothy should have had a bigger reaction, but she didn't. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, I still think overall it was that's a, great a really... Episode. It was a great episode. And... Again, there were a lot of funny moments, fun moments. And I I do think that it tackled a very interesting and important subject matter.
1: I agree. I thought it was a really fun episode. And it says a lot about the early beginnings of the Golden Girls and how things were structured, which I think is a fun thing to see. Yes. Should we take a break and come back with our Golden Takeaways?
0: Let's. (laughs) Now at Top Golf, you get half off golf Monday through Wednesday when you book in the app. It could be any Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Like this Monday, next Tuesday, and the following Wednesday. Or maybe this Wednesday, next Tuesday, and the Monday after that. Basically, any Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday is a good day, as long as you spend it at Topgolf. It's golf. It's half-off. It's half-off golf. Monday through Wednesday when you book in the app for a limited time only. So download the Topgolf app, book a bay, and come play around. Restrictions and exclusions may apply. Visit topgolf.com slash half-off golf for details.
1: And we are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what's your golden takeaway from this episode?
0: Um... If you are someone after either listening to this podcast episode or even watching this episode of the Golden Girls, if you're like, you know what, I feel like donating some of my money to an organization that works hard to educate and pass sensible gun laws on local and national levels. um, I know we've talked about these organizations in the past on this podcast, but Sandy Hook Promise and Moms Demand Mm, Action uh, are two really, really great organizations.
1: I think that's wonderful. I'm gonna I'm gonna I, yes, support that. Um, my golden takeaway from this episode is I think you should like have more dramatic reactions to things like slow, like Dorothy does at the beginning of the episode when she slowly bites her hand, you know or does that thing. or maybe that was the end of the episode, I forget, but whenever she does it, I think people should do that more and just really make things awkward because to me, the area where like the awkwardness comes, where all the good times come. Cause then you can talk about that person and be like, can you believe they took five minutes to bite their hand? There's a, there's a new show on a new show. I guess it's kind of new on E called villains. And it has like reality show villains and Omarosa from uh, the apprentice is one of them. And she takes like, it feels like five minutes just to sit down in a chair when she has to like do a dramatic thing. And that's the level of milking the drama that I want more in life. And I feel like we should have more of that.
0: I like that. I feel like people feel uncomfortable by silence and people feel like they need to fill silences. And it also, I feel like it also extends to, like, everybody could just slow down a little bit. We're not in a rush to get anywhere. It also
1: also reminds me, too, of... (laughs) I'm not saying that in my stand up no one laughed, but I kind of love moments of silence and I love moments of sort of working with someone in the audience and having a back and forth and not feeling the need to have that constant laughter and allowing that tension to sort of help the laughter when it does eventually come. And it does come. Thank you.
0: that was a great golden takeaway oh wow well everyone this has been another episode of out on the lanai remember let us know what your theories are about the red sleeve going over blanche's hand and if you know anyone who has a like production draft of that script get those pages to us we must know we must Teach the Golden Girls community. We must inform everybody. We could also just ask his Stan. What iconic moment is?
1: He worked on this episode or this season, so like he. Might All well right, know.
0: we'll ask. We will ask Stan Zimmerman. Yeah, let's ask Stan. Um, and in the meantime, uh, everybody have a great week, and we'll catch you back here next week for more Golden Girls greatness.
1: Yeah, and guys, remember we are part of Mom moguls of the Media, so go on and give them, give Mom Plus a little like, like and sub- or subscribe to it, or whatever you can do. And you can follow us on social media at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, out on the Lanai Official on Instagram, Golden Girls Pod on Facebook, and I am Sadie Pine slash H Allen Scott on
0: everything. And I am Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And if you'd like to support the podcast, please rate and review us wherever you get this podcast. Because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up, the more people will discover us and join our lovely, kick-ass community of Golden Girls fans.
1: And, as always,
0: remember, stay golden! Stay golden!
1: You shot my boss!
0: Out in the Line is not endorsed by Whit Thomas Harris Productions, Touchstone Television, Disney, or any of its subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only.
1: All names, pictures, audio, and video clips of the Golden Girls are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders.